this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. You're working among us. God, you're breathing on lives. You're making us alive in your presence. God, I thank you for that. I pray that you would increase, Lord. Release a spirit of revelation this morning, that we could look into the scriptures and see Jesus even more. Lord, I I pray that you would release a spirit of revelation that as we look at the word today, that suddenly we would see so clearly things that we were unable to see before. Lord, I pray for a spirit of wisdom also. In the knowledge of Jesus, Lord, that whatever we look at, Lord, when we're looking at the scriptures, God, that suddenly we would see the wisdom of God. Suddenly we would know what is required of us. Suddenly we would know how, Lord, to function in this life, to see you get glory. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray right now, God, for encounter, fresh encounters with your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, you agreed with that, you said. Amen. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got you here for a reason. It's your day. You're up. He's going to get you. (laughs) God's going to get you. This last week, I... So my, my quiet times, I use, uh, for my, my times of study, I use a Bible reading program. I, I have a, an actual format where I go through the Old Testament multiple times and the New Testament multiple times a year. Like, I know that if I just literally keep my reading plan, that I will have worked my way through the entirety of the scriptures multiple times in a calendar year. And so it's very helpful. Like, if I asked you, hey, what, what's... What, what area of scripture are you studying these days? What's the Lord, where is the Lord speaking to you out of? What are you studying these days? If I pulled you aside and asked you that question, would you have an answer? I've found that the people that kind of do the flip through the Bible and point, okay, God, where are you speaking today? Right? And, and then he smote his brother. <laughs> that, that those are the same people that are scratching their head wondering what God's talking to them about. That without a plan, you actually won't study anything. I know you think you're studying something, but you'll keep going back to the same, like, few passages of Scripture that you're comfortable with. So, you know, when you flip open the Bible, it keeps opening up to that exact chapter. Why? Because it's the only chapter you read. Not because God's not speaking anywhere else, but because you're not being intentional about it. Are you alive? Come on. This, this process of intentionally working your way through the Word, intentionally reading, I, I just want, I don't care what your reading plan is, I just want you to have one. I want you to be intentional about your devotional life. Why? Because it matters. It really does. You'll grow spiritually if you spend time in His Word. Anyway, soapbox, I'll get off of it. There we go. I, I was, this last week, I, I, the, where I am reading at, where I've been studying, has been focusing on uh, the the tabernacle of Moses, as they were creating the place where God would meet with his people, as they were building, creating the utensils that would serve in the Lord's presence, the Ark of the Covenant, the, the uh, uh, altar of incense, the, 
the, the basins that they would wash in, all these things. Like I'm listing, I'm reading through the, the, the creation of these objects. And, and maybe you go, oh, yawn. Like that's, I don't know what would be interesting about that. But this week, I, as I was reading, I'm reflecting, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, what are you saying to me out of this stuff? And suddenly I started seeing this, this prophetic like link or chain of events go throughout history in how the Lord would use this specific object, for instance, to prophesy about the coming of the Messiah, and it would instruct those who would follow Jesus eventually. That in, as you read it, as the, how they're used and the, the process in which they went through to create these objects, that the Lord was prophesying to his people, to you and I, about what he wanted from us even after Christ came. There's these little windows, these little images that pop up that are incredibly insightful. And so uh, you're going to have to suffer through it this morning. So what I'm going to do is we're going to go through some of this. I want to share out of what the Lord was like wrecking me with this week. And uh, we'll see if he doesn't touch your life too. Sound good? All right, so we're going to find ourselves in Exodus chapter 30. I'm going to stay mostly there, Exodus chapter 30. We're going to work our way through it. There are a few different items that were created and some processes, and uh, in it, what we're looking for is where do you see Jesus in this? Where was the Father talking to you about your process of worship. I want you to read this with me, and then in the midst of it, I want you to be asking the Holy Spirit this question, God, where are you in this for me? And let's see what you come up with. Sound good? All right, Exodus 30, starting in verse 1. Moreover, you shall make an altar as a place for burning incense, and you should make it out of acacia wood. Its length shall be a cubit, its width a cubit, for it shall be a square. Its height shall be two cubits. Its horns shall be made from one piece. You will overlay it with pure gold, its top and its sides all around, its horns included, and you shall make a gold molding all around for it. Make two rings for under its molding, that, and you shall make them on the two side walls, on opposite sides. They'll be for the holders for poles, which you can carry it then. You shall make poles out of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you put you shall put this altar in front of the veil that it is near the ark of the testimony. In front of the mercy seat that's over the ark of the testimony where I meet with you. Aaron will burn fragrant incense on it. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps. We're going to pause for a moment. What did you hear? Make a box, cover it in gold, put some rings in it, poles, right? Like, like really, like, what did you hear? There's, there's like some uh, uh, 
like handles, there's some horns on it. Like, what are we talking about here? But there's a, there's a, it's a box, it's square. What are we going to do with this box? What are we going to do with it? We're going to burn incense on it. Okay? We got a box, golden box, and we're going to put incense on it. Where is the box going to be located? It's going to be right outside the curtain. Inside the curtain, we have the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is located. The Ark of the Covenant is where it's the Ark, literally, a box made to store the covenant. Right? And so they put the covenant of God, the laws of Moses, they put it inside of this ark, this box. That box was covered in gold too. That box had a lid on it. That lid is called the mercy seat. Everyone say mercy seat. On top of this lid, there are two winged angels. These winged angels have their wings outstretched towards one another. On the lid of this box, that contains God's covenant. And so this place where God has said, here is the covenant, you will be my people, I am your God. We're going to encase it with gold and we're going to put a lid on it. And this lid is known as the mercy seat because this is the place where God's presence manifests. Right there, between the two winged angels, over the mercy seat. That's where God's presence manifests, literally, and where his voice speaks to people from. That physical place. If you wanted to go hear God, where did you go? You went to the tent of me. You went to this place. Why? Because that's where God's presence was manifested. Where does God speak from? He speaks from between the cherubim, above the mercy seat. That's where his voice comes from. This was the location where they would take blood every year and sprinkle it to atone for the sins of God's people. The day of atonement would come and we would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. What's the mercy seat cover? The covenant, the, the, the contract, if you will, between God and people. This is the place I'll meet with you. I'm going to meet with you in the place of my covenant with you where you have taken blood and covered yourself so that your violations of this covenant would not be held against you. That's where God's going to speak to God's people from. Can I tell you that that hasn't changed at all? That's still where he talks to you. He still talks from where the covenant is held in the place where the blood has been sprinkled. He still speaks to you in the place where the blood of Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, has been sprinkled, where the covenant is contained, where the law of God has been put inside. Where has God hidden his law these days? In the new covenant, where? In your heart. Where has the blood of Jesus sprinkled your life? Where does he speak to you from? See, I have people talk to me all the time. They will ask me, Pastor, how do you hear God's voice? 
I have such a difficult time hearing God's voice for myself. How do I hear God's voice? Where do I go? You know, some might point to a physical place. I go to the prayer room. Come to church on Sunday. Be among God's people. Make sure you're spending time in worship. Get in the word. Right? Do all these things. Where does God speak to you from? Sometimes we're looking for God's voice out there. You're looking to hear God's voice from the pulpit. Like you'll go home today and you'll discuss whether I, whether I got it right or not. <laughs> right? Did, did Pastor Jamie hear from God this week? It was just a bunch of nonsense about the Packers, right? What? That context, right? Okay, so... Can I, can I ask you, let's, let's keep digging into this a little bit. So let's just say that there's a Sunday morning where the Holy Spirit is moving really powerfully. Worship, like God's presence is very clearly here, right, among his people. And, and, and let, let's just say, right, that, that I, I, I or my, myself or somebody else, they, they preach the word and it's fire, man. And like you, you just know God was speaking to you. Where did God's voice come from in those moments? Did it come from the pulpit? Did it come from the stage? Was it because Evie and Alicia did a banger set of worship? Right? What, what, where did it come from? Was it really dependent on them? No, 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 no. Because I have been in some terrible sounding musical services where you are praying that you go deaf. (laughs) Jesus, please give me an ear infection and cause it to bleed right now. Because it's so painful to listen to. None of them ever happened here, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But in those same contexts where if I soften my heart, I'll look around, I'll look at the passion of an Aboriginal people that are doing the best they can. And what did it have to do with, they were making a joyful noise, right? What, what did it have to do with the sound system? What did it have to do with the quality of music? What did it have to, it had nothing to do with that because their hearts had become in tune because they had aligned with this new covenant, not the old covenant. See, the old covenant, you had to go to a specific place right? Because that's where God's presence was manifested. In the new covenant, where does God's presence manifest? In you. See, you have become the mobile mercy seat of God. You have become his tabernacle. You are the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. You are his temple. We come to church We gather together, and you should not stop gathering together because when we come together, there is the expression, there is something that is greater than when you are apart. The body of Christ reassembles. The pieces that he broke off in communion and gave to each one, the piece of the body that you are, you're not whole until you come together with others. There's something that happens corporately that doesn't happen in your quiet time. But where does God speak to you from here. And so if you're looking for the voice of God out there and you're just, 
and you're scratching your head, maybe I need to go to Dallas, Texas, to the upper room. Maybe I need to go to Bethel in Redding, California. Maybe I need to go to a physical place in order to hear God. I got news for you. You won't hear from him there either. Because it's not the environment that allows you to hear. Not the external one, at least. It's all about how you are cultivating this space, the tabernacle in here. And this is what I'm talking to you about today because I absolutely 100% believe that you should be hearing God's voice every day. I think that you should be living from and experiencing his manifested presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Some of you might balk at that like, oh, you know, those are mountaintop experiences and you go through ebbs and flows, brother, and that isn't the reality of God. No! Maybe your faith has put you in the valley, but I don't live there, buddy. He is here. My emotions my emotional energy, my, I, I know that my own hardness of heart sometimes takes me to those places, but what does that have to do with him? No, no, look at what it said. Every morning, Aaron was to do what? Go to that place, and when he trims the lamps, when he turns the lights on, make sure there is incense burning in the tent every day. The altar of incense was put outside of the veil, right outside the veil, right next to the Ark of the Covenant. Right next to the manifested presence, there's a veil there. And in this place, there is an altar where Aaron would come to, and he's only a curtain away from the manifested presence. And he was to burn incense there every day. Now, we're going to walk through this stuff, and I'm going to give you images and pictures, but you've got to start here with me. I've got to get you here. Because that space is no longer a physical tent. Whether the bass is turned up enough, whether the drums are turned up enough, right? Clearly my voice is loud enough to make babies cry. Sorry about that. It's not the external environment that determines whether you're going to hear from God or you're going to experience his presence. In fact, I would say that when we come, we're supposed to come together where you are already tuned in and you are experiencing God's presence so that when we come together, we're able to impart to one another and see this experience go to a whole nother level. Where you've already trimmed your lamp and you have oil in the lamp and you're bringing impartation to the house of God, not coming to get filled up. It still comes back to, okay, how, Pastor Jamie? Because I think some, we have a heart for it, but how? Incense in the scriptures is a picture. In the New Testament, we see a window into heaven. It comes in the book of Revelation, Revelation 5, verse 8. Okay, there's this little window where we see that the living creatures and the 24 elders fall down before the lamb and each one of them is holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Your worship, 
the harp, the bowl, incense, your prayers, your worship and your prayers are what create the context for encountering God's presence and hearing his voice. Let me say this again. Your prayer life and your worship life are what prepare the tabernacle for encountering God and experiencing his presence and hearing from him. And this is something that is needed daily. Daily, the first thing Aaron was to do, the first thing, everyone say first thing. The first thing is to go and when he trims the lamps, to turn on the lights, before he gets his morning coffee, before he does anything else, right? Turns on ESPN. I don't know what your morning routine is. This is ours, right? We watch Get Up almost every morning. My wife needs to listen to sports talk people just bantering about how amazing the Packers are. It's great. <laughs> no, this expression is it's simple. Doesn't need to be complex. It's that every morning Aaron makes sure there is incense burning before we do anything else. Okay, what is that a picture of? That is a picture of setting the lordship of Jesus in its correct place for the day. It is, good morning, Jesus. It is, you are the Lord and master over this day. It's your intercession, your prayer. It should be set. The context for encounter is that you burn incense. You, you go, Lord, uh, you encounter him intentionally. You go to him. doesn't matter if you're experiencing something. It doesn't matter if you feel like it. doesn't matter, any of that kind of stuff. It is, Lord, you are my Lord. It's this. It's what I had you do in worship. It's lift your hands up every morning and declare his lordship over your day. Set the context for him to encounter you throughout the day. You are the Lord over my life, over my family, I don't know what business will look like today, Jesus, but I declare your lordship over it. I don't know what my personal life and relationships are going to look like today, Jesus, but you are the Lord over them. I declare your lordship over my life. You don't need to do four songs and an hour-long devotional. Just intentionally Burn the incense. What's the incense? Declare the context. Create the atmosphere of a heart that is filled with worship and intercession. Set the stage. If you will do that, the Lord will encounter you every day. Every day. There will be fresh bread every day. You will have stories to tell every day. Got it? Oh, man. Pastor Jamie, I don't hear God's voice very well. Okay, let me ask you a few questions, okay? How's your worship life? Well, we, we come to church every week and we sing the songs. Yeah, that's awesome. I also noticed that you show up halfway through the worship set. What's that all about? Well, worship goes a lo really long here. And, 
And there are some kind of crazy people that sit around me, and it's kind of bothersome. But don't worry, Pastor Jamie, I really love your preaching. And so we make sure we're here before the preaching. Worship has to go beyond. It has to mean more than. It's, it's the declaration of... It's the laboring unto the Lord. I'm telling you, if you will do this every morning, you'll just get up and go, Jesus, be the Lord over this day. I invite you into it. Be, I declare your lordship over this day. If you'll do that, man, stuff will start to change in your life. How's your worship life? Ah, okay. Talk to me about your prayer life. Do you pray? Sure. How's, like walk me through it. What does it look like? Do you have a list that you pray through? Are you connecting with your family and you guys pray together every day? How about your spouse? Do you guys pray together? In, in your devotional time, do you, do you say a prayer before you start to read and it's just a quick flare prayer? Boom, God, help me open the Bible, right? Like what's, talk to me about your prayer life because what I have discovered is that your worship life and your prayer life are setting the context for where God speaks and encounters you in. Now, some might say to me, Pastor Jamie, you don't need a worship service to hear from God. Of course you don't, but you do need a heart that has already set that context because this is the context that he speaks to you in. So sometimes we come to worship services like this, and this is where you hear from God. Amen. Of course you're going to hear from God. This is where you're supposed to hear from God. But this is supposed to exist in here. Because if this exists in here and you're cultivating a heart that has that, you'll hear God every day. Life will be filled with encounter. So if you don't hear from God, let's start there. Just every day, start to declare his lordship over your day. Invite him into it. Every day, declare that he's king and you're not. When you have something good happen to you, it's called bringing the first fruits offering. Talk to God about the good thing before you talk to people. Just do that. That simple act of giving the first fruits of something back to the Lord, and you'll watch as your intimacy grows. By the way, this is a key in marriages. I'm going to give you a freebie here. Okay? You have something good happen to you, hold it until you see your spouse next. And tell them first. Call them. Text them. Whoever you share the first fruits of experiences with, that's who you're going to grow in intimacy with. This is how affairs happen, by the way, is that people begin to grow in connectedness towards other people because they're not giving the first fruits to their spouse anymore. They're giving it to another person. Intentionally give the first fruits. To your spouse, and you'll grow in that connectedness. You'll thank me later. Are you alive? Okay. Man, you ain't listening fast enough this morning. All right, come on. It's okay. We'll just, we're hanging, and we're good. This is, this is where we need to be today. A worshipful heart is the context the Lord speaks to. Cultivate a heart of worship and prayer, and you'll start to notice God's voice. Okay, every morning, Aaron lights the, the fragrant incense. Verse 7, 
Aaron shall burn the fragrant incense. Okay, every day do that and you'll have an expectation of encountering God every day. Look at verse 9. You shall not offer any strange incense on this altar. Do not offer burnt offerings or meal offerings, and you shall not pour out a drink offering on it. And Aaron should make atonement on this altar at least once a year. Don't offer any strange incense here. Use your prayer life and your worship life properly. Strange incense. Okay, let me talk you through that. Because I have seen an insurgence of strange incense beginning to happen in the body of Christ. New age practices, strange incense. Practices that contain ancient rituals that are not of the Lord or what he prescribed. Strange incense. No, you don't need to align your chakra to make sure that you ohm in the right direction and then you'll be able to hear God's voice. Friends, that's strange incense. Okay, I, I, can, I can walk you through friends who have engaged some of that stuff and have ended up demonized and or have left the faith completely because of this thing, began to awaken a connectedness to the spiritual realm that is not of the Lord. You don't need the right rock crystal in your altar at your house in order to hear from God. You don't need your chi lined up. You don't need to have done more good works the day before so that you can hear from God today. There's a whole bunch of weird things that the body of Christ, frankly, is struggling with right now, and it's because it's become available to you. You, you, you turn on any form of, of, like if you have me, Pastor Jamie, if you have the house church in your feed for any kind of social media, the algorithm is also going to begin to pull on other spiritual practices. You're going to start hearing about how powerful meditation is. Please. Meditation in the right direction, put it in the right context, incredible God stuff. Put it in the wrong context and you will, <laughs> you're going to end up with problems. This isn't a fear technique. I just happen to have to perform deliverance on people. No strange incense. You don't, you, don't, <laughs> you don't need to launch your astral body into the nether world in order to hear from God. You don't need to practice distance reading through psychic meditation in order to get a better contract with your next business partner. But these are practices that exist in your business community and you may have bumped into them. Is anybody, wave at me if you have any idea what I'm talking about right now. I don't, maybe I got the wrong audience, I don't know. Did you know that what God told us, told us to do, that, that literally the simplistic practices of following Christ and doing what he said, will bring you into such supernatural and spiritual harmony? You, 
Listen, you don't need another spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you words of knowledge. Okay, what's words of knowledge to a psychic distance reading? No, you'll know information. You'll have gotten it by your connection with God, not by partnering with demons. You need to know what to do. It's called a word of wisdom. Ask the Holy Spirit and he'll give it to you. You will have like secret intel on how to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. If you come before the Lord and you pursue him the way he prescribes, friends, you'll get everything you're trying to get through, frankly, like witchcraft. It's so weird that I have to preach this at a church. This is weird. But, but this stuff, y'all, we, it gets mixed into people's lives. So when we're talking about, like, each morning, burn some incense, I don't mean go down to your weird psychic store to buy the right type of incense and actually burn incense next to your bed. No. No, no. Set Jesus as Lord. Put him in the right place and everything will work. Keep going, but we're good, okay? Strange incense, all right? Also, please stop seeking mediums. Please stop trying to talk to your Ouija board. Please, try, please stop trying to, please, please stop going to psychics. Please stop seeking answers from God who is living among the dead. Witchcraft is a dead end. It will bring destruction. It's an open door that brings destruction. Other offerings, the burnt offering, the meal offering, the drink offering. He is very clear that this, the altar of incense is not where you bring these sacrifices. These sacrifices have the right context, but your morning setting apart the day is not where you come and get right with God. The burnt offering is about the, uh, is about the transfer of sin and the things you've done wrong. Like this is, your confession is not your morning ritual. Don't do that. That's not the point. You're not in this day, in that moment. This, this isn't the proper place for, for you to do work stuff and, and figure out budget and how you're going to give to God. That's not the proper place. Like pouring out your life. This, these aren't the proper offerings on the altar of incense. What sets the context for you to encounter God and hear from him is not those things. Okay, why do you need to hear that from me? Because I think sometimes we, when we're wrestling with something, a decision, we need to hear from God. We're like, okay, what do I do next? Well, I need to fast for 10 days. I need to, I, I, I need to make sure my life's right with God and that's how I'm gonna hear from him. I need to, and you start piling on these practices, which in the right context are great. But that's not what sets the context for hearing from him and encountering him. You'd be amazed, man. Throw a little worship music on and tune your heart in and boom, you'll be there. Amen. <laughs> I like supernatural. I don't like weird. Don't do strange stuff here. If I bust you for strange stuff, don't be offended by it. I'll just tell you that there's proper context for things. And you don't need to be afraid of doing things wrong. We're just literally trying to authentically go after the living God, the real one.
and we don't need any of the extra nonsense. It's not necessary. Turns out reading your Bible, praying, and worshiping works. Mm -hmm. If you have been there, I just want to encourage you to say, listen, if you've gone down these other roads, all you got to do is repent. Just repent. Lord, I'm changing my mind today. I'm no longer going to pursue those things. Simple. All right. Hmm. Boy, we really didn't listen fast enough. Okay. Let me just nail these things really quick. You ready? You hold on. Grease those hair back because we're going. Bible track shoes. Okay. Verse 11. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, when you take a census of the sons of Israel to number them. What's he saying? When you number the people that are considered a part of God's people. So you're determining this person's God's people and that person's not when you number them. Okay? Each one of them should give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them so that there will be no plague among you when you number them. Okay, plague comes because somebody violates the covenant of God. If someone's pretending to be a Christian and then starts to participate in these spiritual practices, but you actually don't belong to the Lord, you're going to have issues come up in your life. Why? Because demons still have access to you. It's going to be a problem. Okay, so God's people needed to be numbered, and they needed to produce a ransom for their life, which happened to be a half a shekel. What's the half a shekel for? To pay for the priests, to cover the costs of the priests making atonement for the people of Israel every year. So literally, it was a temple fee for your sins to be covered by the lambs of sacrifice. That was the point of it. And every person, didn't matter how old they were, didn't matter how wealthy they were, didn't matter how poor they were, every person who has been numbered, you're in God's family, awesome. Then you need the blood applied to your life. And they just made it really simple. If you're in, then pay a half a shekel. If you're not, then you might want to move forward with your life because this is going to be a problem. Right? And we'll know because plague will hit your life. Right? And so they simply say, everybody's got to pay half a shekel. What was the half a shekel for? To make sure that you're numbered among them. That the blood of the sacrifice touched your life. What's that mean to us? Listen, every single one, everyone needs the atonement of the blood of Jesus. You can't get out of it. It's personal and you must acquire it. You must make sure you're in the family of God. And so I say to you today, if Jesus is not the Lord and master of your life, you should make him the Lord and master of your life. The blood of Jesus must atone for your life specifically. And God knows if your name's written in the book of life or not. In other words, there's no group salvation here. It's you are either numbered among us or you're not. And how do you know that? Because the blood of Jesus has redeemed you. Everybody needs to get saved. Are you with me there? Okay. Verse 17. Ah, I don't. Okay. There's one layer I just need to do here, and I'm so excited for it. I just want you to. The last thing that I want to talk about is the anointing oil and the actual incense itself. The anointing oil had a very clear process to make it. That anointing oil, the word anointing, means to mark something. 
If we anointed this table, we've marked it, and it has a specific purpose. In this context, God had Moses create a specific smelling oil. The fragrance was specific. And he was to mark the tent, all the tables, all the utensils. Even Aaron and his sons were to be marked with this anointing oil. That anointing oil made the objects and the people holy to God. Holy means set apart. They have been consecrated for a specific purpose. They will not do anything else. They're not supposed to do anything else. They have been consecrated for that specific purpose. And so you anoint with the holy anointing oil to set it apart because that's the only thing that that fork will ever be used for. That's the only thing that the altar of incense will ever be used for. It's not going to be taken out of the tent of meeting, and when we have a barbecue, it's used to serve pork. <laughs> Some of you saw that. Okay. <laughs> the anointing oil set it apart for a specific purpose. The Bible says so clearly, there's a warning. It says, if you ever take that anointing oil and you put it on a layman, a person who is not set apart for that purpose, that it separates them from and they should be moved out of, frankly, the body of Christ. The anointing oil set someone apart for a specific work unto the Lord. But if that person is not meant to do that, that same oil, that fragrance, if it was abused, if you just started wearing it for perfume, there's no context in which that's okay. I want to read for you a New Testament verse. It says this, you are a chosen race. This is 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. For you were not a people before, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Second Corinthians, we are the fragrance of Christ. To those who are being saved, we smell like heaven, and to those who are not, we smell like death. This this Holy Spirit that we've received has marked our lives. It says that we were marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. That, that we have received the aroma of salvation. That our lives 
having been purchased by Jesus, have moved out of normalcy. That our lives are just not normal. You just can't go back to normal life. But that the mark of heaven on your life has set you apart out of this world, out of darkness, into light, so that you can represent and be a holy, a set-apart race for God to demonstrate his goodness to the world. Look at the last piece here, which is the incense itself. Verse 34, and we'll land the plane. Moses said, the Lord said to Moses, take for yourself spices. These shall be an equal part, and with it you are to make incense, a perfume. The work of a perfumer, salted, pure, holy. Beat some of it into a very fine powder and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. The incense which you shall make, you shall not make in the same proportions for yourselves. In other words, don't replicate this for common use. It shall be holy to you from the Lord. Whoever would make anything like it to use as a perfume, they will be cut off from God's people. Okay, follow me for a second. In this place, the altar of your heart, I want to talk to you about how serious God is about this. In the altar of your heart, where God's presence manifests and you hear his voice, where the world around you encounters God from, where a dying world needs to see the light of heaven, it comes from how you are stewarding your heart. In that place, there is an altar of incense. The altar of incense is to be burned every morning to set the aroma, the environment of encounter with God. The place where God speaks to us from is called the mercy seat. The fragrant aroma that would fill that tent as you burn the incense, this incense we're talking about here, you do this in an improper way and it says, cut off from the body of Christ, cut off from God's people. What could be so serious that God would say then, why, why would an aroma be so serious that God would say you can't be a part of my people if you choose to steward this in an incorrect way? Does that translate over into the New Testament? Is this possible that we could be actually seeing this, this exact thing? Is there anything that could happen in your relationship with God that if you chose to make the environment of your heart toxic with it, that it actually would cut you off from fellowship with God's people and fellowship with him? You bet your life there is. It's called bitterness. And the only other place, place where Jesus says this exact wording, 
Matthew 18. If your brother sins, go show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he doesn't listen to you, take one or two more with you. For by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact will be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, take it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be now known to you as a Gentile, a tax collector, or someone that is not a part of God's people. That altar of incense is the aroma of God's mercy. That altar of incense, that smell, that distinct smell, the smell of salvation for humanity or judgment and death. That smell, it's the smell of God's mercy. It is the smell that permeates a life that is so grateful, Jesus, that you forgave me, that you washed me, that you made me clean. It doesn't matter who you bring to me. Of course I'm going to forgive them. Of course. It doesn't matter what comes upon my life. Of course I'm going to move in mercy. How could I do anything else? The aroma that filled the tent of meeting is the smell of mercy. Your prayers must be salted with mercy. Your heart must be filled with mercy. Otherwise, you should not expect to encounter God. If you're sitting in judgment over a people and at the same time praying for them, friends, I don't know where you're at, but you're not in the tent of meeting. The aroma of mercy is what the world is dying to smell upon the church. Are we a people who reject because of sin? Are we a people who are so impassioned about specific policy that we would reject and hold in contempt anyone who else would say anything else otherwise? We would hold in judgment over? We would separate ourselves from? Well, friends, no, no. To burn the incense of mercy means your heart's got to be there. And the body of Christ desperately, desperately, desperately needs its aroma to be filling, permeating. It's meetings, yes, but ooh, the marketplace. When people meet you, do they feel condemned? When people meet you, are they willing to talk about their problems or are you just going to tell them why they're wrong and what they should do wrong? And is someone who struggled with something and maybe, maybe they had a pregnancy early on in their lives and went through an abortion and now they're talking to you about it, what comes out of you? What's the aroma that comes out of you? Is it condemnation? What's going on in our hearts? What's the aroma? For a believer to hold on to anything but mercy, anything but mercy, mercy is the only thing your heart is supposed to be filled with. It's pretty clear. There's no room to represent the king and Hold on to your pet judgments. Would you please stand to your feet? It's pretty hot in here. You should uh, lean over and smell the person next to you. See if, <laughs> see what they smell like. 
clearly I'm pushing a button in the context of some serious policy that's been released in our state. We're not talking about the agreement of or the, we're not, we're not going into any of that stuff. What I'm talking about is the heart posture. Friends, our hearts have to be filled with the aroma of the mercy, the reconciliation of Christ. It has to be. People will get saved if we smell like heaven, if we smell like mercy. People will run away because they're afraid of the death you bring if you smell like anything else. Sorry we landed hard. Boom, and the plane landed. Just put a hand on your own heart this morning. I just felt like we needed to get there. So thanks for your graciousness towards me. Lord, thank you. I pray right now the tender mercies of heaven to permeate our being. Lord, I know that you are wanting. Listen, this church is made for revival. It's supposed to steward the presence of God in ways that bring reformation to our land, like for real. God, this is a house of revival, a house where the fire of God burns, where worship is meant to be so forward in our thinking, the context of intercession and prayer and declaring your lordship over circumstances, Lord. But there's no other fragrance that should fill this house except for mercy. There is no room for it except for mercy. Lord, I don't know what's going on in lawmakers' hearts. I don't, I do not have the capacity to judge them, Jesus, but you know. You know what's going on. And so, Jesus, it's easy for me to say, thank you that you have forgiven me. And now, Lord, in this corporate setting, I am declaring the mercy of God over our state. Declare mercy, Lord, towards those that I'm not qualified to judge. I declare your mercy. Jesus, I turn them over to you. We turn them over to you. Jesus, we turn them over to you. We turn our president over to you. We turn our lawmakers over to you. We turn our jobs over to you. We turn our bosses over to you. Lord, we turn our spouses over to you. We turn our children over to you. Lord, we surrender all. We're not qualified to judge it, Jesus, and so we invite you to come in. Lord Jesus, come, rule and reign. Let your holy light fill the house. Let the mercy of God fill the house. Let the smoke that fills this temple, the very aroma, the incense that burns night and day, let it be mercy that revival could come and not judgment. Jesus, we declare, we declare, we declare, you are king and judge. Come and rule and reign. Come and rule and reign. Come and rule and reign. Father, where we have held on to disagreements and judgments and, Lord, the things that make our hearts not smell like mercy. Lord, those things I am asking right now. Holy Spirit, would you shine a light into them? Help us to see that we could change our mind. So, Lord, I thank you for that. Pray, God, that these would be weeks of encounter, encounters coming encounters coming. God, I bless, I bless, I bless. Bless this house, bless this people, the fullness of all that you have for them, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's mercies be upon you, his face, his countenance be towards you, his graciousness surrounding you, and that your households would be guarded with his peace, his shalom. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare these things, and anybody who dare to agree with it said, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord this morning?